Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapters 28, verses 1 through 10, which you will find in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles, beginning on page 31 or on screen. Please join me for a prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, as you heard in the reading of the scriptures this morning, it was, it was early Sunday morning after Shabbat. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And I've been wondering about who the other Mary is. And maybe she was the mother of James and, and, and Jose or Joseph. And they're on an important mission, as you heard in the text, that they're headed to the tomb where Jesus was buried. They're laden down with spices, and they're going to the tomb now to anoint his body for final burial. And they expected to find the tomb sealed with a massive stone. They expected to see a retinue of heavenly, heavily armed Roman soldiers standing guard to prevent any attempt by anyone to steal the dead body of Jesus. These soldiers were equipped to repel any human confrontation, but their military training did not include any training on how to deal with angels. And early that morning, neither the women, neither the soldiers anticipated this violent earthquake and the visit from the angel. And that morning, the heavy stone was rolled away. 
And suddenly we're told there was a massive earthquake. And there was this angel clothing white as lightning, clothing white like snow, sitting on the stone. The brave, normally brave Roman soldiers, they're lying on the ground. They've lost control of their bodily functions. The earth was shaking, and we're told that the soldiers were shaking, paralyzed by fear. And when I read that, I thought to myself that when God is about to do something, it doesn't matter what we have put in place. It doesn't matter what power there is on earth. No human scheme or stratagem can stop the movement and the plan of God. You notice what the angel did. The angel just ignored the soldiers and spoke directly to these two women. Four powerful words. You heard it in the text. Do not be afraid. We need these words today, right? I know I do. When I hear of the saber rattling that is going on between the United States and Taiwan and China, when I hear of the, the saber rattling that is going on all over the world and the violence in many of our cities, you, you feel that fear. And then one of the messages of the resurrection is, do not be afraid. I know, the angel said, that you are here to see Jesus who was crucified on Friday, but he's not here, for he has been raised. And I can picture them standing there looking at each other. What is he talking about? So the angel said, come, come, come. And they stood there for a while, and he said, no, I'm serious. Come on, come on, come on in, take a look. See the place where he lay. And of course, after much prompting, they went in and they looked. And instead of the dead body of Jesus, all they saw was a blood-stained white linen cloth. And did you notice that the angel offered no explanation for how his body was raised or why his body was raised? Instead, the angel commissioned them to do one thing. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has been raised from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see him. And the angel said, this is my message to you. Mission accomplished. Angel exits stage right or stage left. I'm not sure. The important thing is the women didn't dawdle. They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and they fled to his disciples. So picture these women on the move running, and while they're on the move, suddenly, suddenly there was an earthquake. Suddenly Jesus comes before them, and Jesus says to them, greetings, greetings. And notice their response. They came to him. They took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. Now, that's, a, that's an act of homage. When you and I meet a king, if we were living in those days and we had audience with the king, one of the things we would do is we would get on our knees, we would hold on to the feet of that king as an act of homage and worship. 
And I thought to myself, these women have been so faithful. They were the last ones at the tomb, at the cross rather, and they were the first ones at the tomb, and now they have the joy, the first in line to see their risen and reigning Lord. And Jesus says to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. Now, if this is all that we have to work with, and there's so many other places in the Bible where we could have gone this morning to reflect on the, the resurrection, but we're going to park here for a while. If this is all we have to work with in trying to embrace the power and the meaning of Jesus' resurrection, then what, what, what do I want you to take home with you? And I want you to take two powerful thoughts home with you. That number one, in our text this morning, there is a personal, personal meaning to the resurrection. And there is a missional meaning to the resurrection. Let me tell you what I mean by the personal. Because like many of you on this Resurrection Sunday, I am celebrating the radical truth that Jesus Christ was crucified, dead, and buried, and that on the third day, he rose again from the grave bodily, proving that everything he said was true, proving that his message of forgiveness and eternal life are realities, proving that he's King of kings and he's Lord of lords, and that a day is coming when this same Jesus will come back in power and great glory to judge the world, to judge you, to judge me, in righteousness and in justice. And I believe all of that with all my heart, I'll stake my life on it. But on a personal level, Resurrection 2023 is more relevant to my family than ever before. And I sent a text to my family this morning and to some of my mother's grandchildren, reminding them that Jesus Christ is risen today. Because you see, many of you don't know this, but my mother died last on, on Wednesday, March 23rd. She spent just two days in hospice before her life on this side of heaven ended. And you know, you, you, you've all lived this before, so there's nothing unique about what I'm telling you. When a family member dies, it disrupts your life. It rearranges your priorities. It forces you to consider what's really important. You know, the beautiful thing about my mother is that she knew that it was time to leave this life that she had known for 96 years. She told one of her granddaughters, and this is what I'm hearing, that her work on earth is done. She told one of the caregivers who spoke to me personally when I was out there that she, she, my mom told the caregiver that she will go home to Jesus on March 24th, but she was one day off. Now, if the Hilton family were a Hindu family, and I want to say this with utmost respect, if we were a Hindu family, our hope, would be that there was a rigorous outworking of karma in Mama's life. Mama would return in a different existence to pursue her next stage, the next cycle of her life, as she continues to work toward perfection. If we were an Orthodox Jewish family, and again, I'm saying this with utmost respect, we would hope that our pedigree and our commitment to Torah would lead Mama to eternal life. If we were a Muslim family, we would hope that Allah would give entrance to Mama into paradise 
because of her reading of Quran and her devotion to doing good deeds, and even today, if she were alive, her observance of Ramadan. If we were Buddhists, and again, I'm saying this with profound respect for friends that I have who are Buddhist, our assumption would be that Mama would be absorbed into the formless beyond. She would disappear like a drop in the ocean, losing her identity in the great nameless and formless beyond. And if we were secularists, having no commitment or conviction about God, we would have no real hope, and we wouldn't be troubled by that. We would just see her death as an episode between two oblivions. And I would probably tell Mama, let's, Mama, let's just explore every medical procedure that we can to extend your life, get you to 97. Because, Mama, when you die, that's all there is. But this morning, and I don't say this in a triumphalistic way, I don't say this in a pejorative way, I say, that, say this in a comparative way, if you think of comparative religions. But I say this morning, the Hilton family, we're not Buddhists, we're not Hindus, we're not Orthodox Jews, we're not Muslims, we're not secularists. We're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we confess that Jesus was crucified and that according to the scriptures that Jesus was raised on the third day from the dead. The Hilton family believes that the God of Israel is the one who resurrected Jesus. He did not merely give him back his mortal existence like Jesus did to Lazarus only to die again, but he transformed him with a glorious body that will never die again. And on a personal level, I want to say to you this morning that the resurrection fills the Hilton family, and I hope it's filling you with hope and with strength in the face of grief, in the face of the evil of death. Because of the resurrection, we are confessing this morning that death is defeated, that death is swallowed up in the victory of the empty tomb. So I'm going to keep on keeping on in the face of every challenge and every obstacle. That's my personal testimony. That's the Hilton family testimony. What is your testimony? What is your personal understanding and testimony about the resurrection of Jesus? Do you have an anchor for your soul? But there's another message that the resurrection and the text brings to us. It's the missional meaning of the resurrection, that this is a message that you and I must take to the streets. And I want you to notice the degree of difficulty in the reading. Because here we have the most significant event in all of human history, and God reveals the message and the mission first to two women. Their job is to go to the men and tell them, well, why? Why? Well, on the day of his crucifixion, I want to ask you a question. On the day of the crucifixion, were the disciples present at the cross? I hear no, I hear yes. I'm going to say yes, but it was the female disciples who were present at the cross. The female disciples stayed with him. 
on the pain of injury and death. They stayed with Jesus until Joseph of Arimathea came and took his body, his dead body, and placed him in that new tomb. The women were there. They saw where he was buried. And in some sense, I want to believe that God rewarded their faith and their devotion and said, you're going to be the first. You were there at the last, and you're going to be the first to see him, the first to touch him, the first to worship him, and the first to share the good news that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Three times in our text, we read, we read it twice, and there's one that we're going to read here at the end, but three times in our text, we hear the words of mission, go quickly and tell, go quickly and tell, go quickly and tell that he's been raised from the dead. And when Jesus met the women, he repeated the same words. We get to the very end of Matthew 28. Eleven disciples now, right? Twelve. We started out with twelve. But over Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, one of them lost his way and he died. So there are eleven disciples now with him. And here's what it says at the end of the reading, which we didn't read. It says that they worshipped him, just like the women did, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, and we need to hear these words, brothers and sisters, because this is why there is a Christian movement 2,000 years later. It's not because the church in Rome gained political power. It's not because the church in Rome or Christians around the world are rich and have political power. The reason why the church is unsinkable, indestructible, and will be here with us through all of time until Jesus returns, it's because of these words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Go therefore. Here's that word, go again. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. And we just had a baptism here this morning. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And he says it again. Remember, as you go, I am with you always to the end of the age. My brothers and sisters, I want to say this to all of you. That good news is not something to be hugged. It's not something to be hugged to oneself. Good news is not something to only reflect on in church services and in small groups. Christians are God's mail carriers. Did you know that? You are God's letter carrier. You are God's messenger. And you are called upon to deliver this good message, this good news to everyone. Good news is for sharing. John Stott said, we are under obligation to make it known to others. The first calling we have after coming to Christ is not going and secluding ourselves in a church building. Our first calling after coming to Christ is to go home and share the good news with G about Jesus with our family and our friends. And so it's not enough to just do what we're doing here this morning. It's great that we're together. I, in fact, I haven't seen this many people in church. Choir, have you seen these many people in church since 2019, right? <laughs> Amazing. It's wonderful. But it's bigger than that. 
We're called upon to go and tell. Go and tell. He's alive. Tell your story. He's changed my life. Let him know. Let them know what Jesus is doing for you. That's what he's called us to do. When was the last time you heard some important news, some good news, and you kept it to yourself or you tried to keep it to yourself? You, you, you just got engaged. You say, I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm going to keep it a secret. Who does that? You just got a promotion. You just graduated from high school and college and you got your big degree. I'm not going to tell anyone. I don't want anyone to know. Who does that? Huh? When you have good news, when you have important news, you're a blabbermouth. You get on Instagram. You get on TikTok, and the government is telling us, stop using TikTok. But you, you get on every social media platform that you can, and you blast it out, letting people know, sending the pictures. But when it comes to Jesus, I don't know what happened to us, guys. What's happening to us? Take a page from the women. Run. Can you say run? Take a page from the, the women. Do what? And let them know. He's alive. And he says, is it easy to do it? No. But Jesus says, I'm going to be with you always to the end of the age. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say, Amen.